You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Let's get started. If you're currently pregnant or you would like to one day become pregnant or you know and love someone who's pregnant right now, you have got to meet Susie Ashworth. She's a mindset and messaging coach, Hay House author, TEDx speaker, and founder of The Calm Birth School, the world's first video-based hypnobirthing program. As a mindset mentor, Susie supports women through her flagship program, The Limitless Life Experience, to work with more intention, to create more impact and income in the world. She and her husband, Jerome, are based in the UK with their four kiddos. And dude, I cannot imagine my experience, my VBAC experience with Diki, which was back in December 2015, without Susie's empowering affirmations in my earbuds. We talk about this a bit in the conversation, but I originally met Susie thanks to previous Naptime Empire's guest, Denise Duffield-Thomas. She's back in episode 10. If you haven't listened yet, obviously it's a good one or I wouldn't have published it, so do check it out. But back in 2015, I was pregnant with Bryson, who was preschooler at the time, and Jeremy was deployed. I was on a manifesting roll. We had even won like the first hug lotto when they come home from deployment, then you can enter into a little lottery to win the first hug. <laughs> it's really fun. We had gotten manifested an amazing house that was super close to our twin laws in Hawaii. And all that was left on my list for 2015 was to manifest an amazing birth experience. Ideally, a VBAC had a great C-section experience too, but I just wanted to see if I could have a new experience for Diki. And that's all thanks to Susie helping me get my mind right in the final weeks of my pregnancy. She's taken her mindset work far beyond pregnancy and birth though. And of course, now we're going to talk about all that in this episode. Specifically, we cover what sparked Susie to build her business with kiddos afoot, what hypnobirthing really means, because I didn't know. I just knew I wanted to feel empowered and to know what actually happens to your body when you're in labor. So what hypnobirthing means, how it can actually help the process along, and why there isn't really one right way to give birth. She's all about the best birth for you on the day. No shame, just knowing your options. We talk about the role of mindset in each new chapter and the evolution of her business, how Susie knew she was growing but her message hadn't caught up with her yet, the shifts she made towards working during the day and how that shifted their family dynamic. Why Susie loves in-person experiences so much and how now she's helping others with her live retreats. What her new program is all about and why she decided to give herself permission to move on from her past successes. So I've got a couple of discussion questions for you this time as well at the end of the conversation. In the meantime, enjoy and I'll meet you on the other side. All right, Susie, I want to say welcome back because we've already recorded a whole nap time on Fire's conversation once upon a time, but no one else has heard it. That's just for you and me. <laughs> and it's just for, for you listening and wondering what I'm talking about. It's because we had this conversation back when I was still in Hawaii and then I took my summer hiatus and then I was like, wait, Susie, it's been a really long time and I know a lot's been happening in your business. So let's just re-record with what's going on now that it's 2018 vibes. So thanks for coming back, Susie. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I was like, oh, was our conversation that terrible? <laughs> I can't put this up. No, I'm sure it was great. And I know this one's going to be amazing in its own right. And so I would like to just start off by setting the frame and having you explain what is your business and family setup over there? Like what's the lens that we're looking through before we dive in? Okay, so I am a mom. I have four children, a stepson who is 14, who's been living with us for probably the last six and a half months. And I've got a soon to be seven year old in, well, next week, and a five year old and a 19 month old. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. She's 19 months old. Ah, I know, I know. It's just it has it's a cliche but it's gone incredibly quickly and I am a 
two-time business owner. So I have, I'm founder of the Calm Birth School, which started off as the world's first video-based hypnobirthing program and is now taught by instructors all over the UK, which is amazing. And I am a uh, mindset and messaging mentor. So I work with small service-based female entrepreneurs who want to work with more intention to create more impact and obviously more income. And I love what I do. (laughs) I love what you do too. And I want to, and we'll, we'll talk about this more just as we talk about your journey and your story and how these have businesses have grown while you've been growing your family and everything. But I just really want to plug the Converse school for anyone who's pregnant or thinking of or dreaming of becoming pregnant. That's how I met Susie was mm. because I was manifesting a VBAC experience in 2015 and we were in a mutual Facebook group and someone tagged her in. And I am so grateful because I literally can't imagine my VBAC experience feeling as positive And, you know, I just felt really confident at every step of the way because I had you in my earbuds to the point where Jeremy was like, Okay, because <laughs> I sometimes wouldn't even be effed to like put the earbuds in. And so I was just like, <laughs> had you playing, you know, on my bedside table as I was going off to sleep. And it's just so valuable what you do. And I love how you've got other instructors, like this team of women supporting those who are going through this experience. So we're definitely linking to that in the show notes. But really what I want to talk about is, you know, the intersection of all of it and like, how did this first business get started? And then we can talk about the evolution too, but I also am just nosy and curious about how you've been building your empire while you've had all these kiddos running around. Yeah. So it started with me getting pregnant with Caesar, my own biological eldest son. And I was at the time working in a publishing company and I loved my job, but it was very media. It was very young. It was very champagne lunches and late nights and it was fun. But as soon as I got pregnant, there was just a whole different desire. And I probably couldn't put my finger on it at the time as to why it happened so quickly. But as soon as I had this new life growing inside of me, I knew that I wanted to role model being able to create and live the life of your dreams. Mm. I wanted to be able to look at my son or daughter because I didn't know what we were having Mm -hmm. um, and be able to say that you can achieve anything that you want. You really, really can. The world is yours. And I knew that working, doing what I was doing wasn't going to be role modeling that for them. So as soon as I got pregnant, I knew that I wanted to do something more meaningful, but I wasn't sure what that was. And It wasn't actually until I got pregnant with Coco, which was after I went back to work after my maternity leave. And I should say I had. So I am a control freak or a recovering control freak. And (laughs) (laughs) And I knew that I wanted to have as natural a birth as possible. I did not want to have people kind of prodding and poking me. And so I made the quite unusual decision to have a home birth. And I had already studied a little bit of hypnotherapy and I was already aware that by using hypnosis, you could use it for pain management. And I knew that I would need to be able to manage the pain to give myself the best chance of staying at home. Mm -hmm. And it was like a hop, skip and a jump to finding hypnobirthing, which is a, um, it's a philosophy really around birth to help you stay calm and as relaxed as possible so that your muscles work more efficiently. So it's easier for you to have your baby. And in the teachings of that, there is self-hypnosis and deep relaxation and affirmations and lots of different tools and strategies to help you let go of your fear and embrace your birth. So that regardless of what's happening, you're able to navigate whatever path is presented to you feeling calm and positive. So that's what I wanted. And I feel, I'm not going to say lucky because I did the work, I did the practice, but I had the most amazing home at water birth with my first child, Caesar. And we had a great maternity leave. And then I 
got pregnant again quite soon after I was back at work for three months, got pregnant with Coco and we did the same thing again. We had an amazing home water birth this time. It was really, really quick. Caesar was like 33 hours. She was like four hours. And after she popped out, Jerome was like, who's my husband? You know, I think there's something in this. It's totally fine. <laughs> if your dog barks, it's okay. <gasps> I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. We work from home. This is the benefit. You're there. <laughs> this is what happens. And so I was like, do you think there is something in this? And it was at that point, this pull to do something more meaningful really was like, you know what? It feels like this is the time. So a month into my maternity leave, I'd signed up to do a diploma in hypnotherapy and psychotherapy and get my certificate in hypnobirthing. And it was from taking that plunge and just thinking, you know what, I'm just going to see how it goes that, yeah, the rest is kind of history. And I love to just the whole calm and positive thing because it is easy and obviously just being in this arena and in this conversation that, you know, I just wish that the mommy wars weren't a thing, you know, and that everybody just understands we're doing the best that we can, but it's easy for people to assume that it's like, okay, this is the one right way to mm. be able to give birth. And I loved how just instantly I knew that that was not the vibe that you were trying to project or the story. Yeah. Cause I was like, I had a really great C-section experience with Bryce and yeah. my water broke and he was breached. And so we just went in and he was in my arms and it was like, it was a lovely experience. I met my doctors on the day and that's how it goes with the military. It's like, Oh, nice to meet you. Cool. Okay. Let me yeah. sign this form. And then here we go. But I just wanted to see if my body could have a different experience this round. There wasn't like necessarily attachment to the outcome. I knew that I just wanted to see if I could get to have a good old fashioned go at it, you know? Yeah. And I loved that. I didn't feel judged in any way and I could be there to reassure people like the C-section is not the end of the world. You're totally fine. Mm -hmm. You can bond with your baby. You can breastfeed if you want to. And it's okay if you don't as well. And so I really appreciated that. Like the best birth for you on the day. And it is kind of addicting once you just slide into this world and you're like really learning about it. It's so cool to learn how the body works. So it makes sense that you were like, wait a second, you know, how can we help other people be able to experience something like this when there is so much fear around the whole experience, especially yeah. through the media and everything. So how did you actually start it? So you went and you did the hypnobirthing or the hypnotherapy. It's like a certification thing. Yeah, exactly. So you can get a certificate diploma, um, PGCE, and I got the diploma. And then I literally was just, I told all my friends and I was just scouring local forums to see if there were any people, in fact, I think I started off actually giving free sessions. So again, scouring local forums, I would post, does anybody want to try this for free? and looking to see if anybody was looking for a hypnobirthing person. So there are two things. The hypnotherapy was on one side and the hypnobirthing was on the other. And what was interesting is that when I was doing my research, I phoned lots of local hypnobirthing practitioners and hypnotherapists. And just to really, that whole, can I pick your brains? Mm -hmm. Which now I'm like, you can't really pick my brains because I'm quite busy. But at the time, people would give me the time, but it was all quite negative. It was all like, you're never going to make any money from this. It's really tough out there. It's really competitive. The market's saturated. And it was really like, hmm, this is interesting. And I think that it's just part of my nature when you tell me that I can't do something. I'm really like, yeah, but why not? <laughs> of someone doing something even remotely close. I'm like, that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And so despite having all of this kind of negativity, yeah, I just decided to go for it. And I started putting myself out there and I told my friends and I invited people to come in for free sessions. And actually very quickly, I realized I wasn't that amazing at the hypnotherapy, but I really, really loved the birth stuff. But I had a young family and I was doing lots of evenings, lots of weekends, and it wasn't working for me as a business model, the kind of whole work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And so I, I invested in a course which taught me how to market things online and create online courses. And within three weeks of starting it, the idea for the Calm Birth School had been born. And within six months, I'd stopped seeing people in person and I put out the online course and 
yeah, from that kind of everything changed. That was the thing I was going to ask was how were you making that work and going and doing the free sessions? So you were doing it during the evenings, like were you home with the two little ones during the day and then Jerome would take over or like how did y'all make that work in those yeah. pre, like before the course was out and you had that asset that was available? Yeah, it was evenings and it was weekends mm. and it was a lot yeah. and it was stressful it wasn't really fun. It was fun being with the clients, but it wasn't fun kind of trying to get everything organized. And sometimes it would be at my house and sometimes it would be at their house. It just, it wasn't how I wanted to work. Mm -hmm. And whilst it felt the freedom of being in control of my destiny felt good, along with scary when you were like, when's the next client going to come and where are they going to come from? Yeah. It's, I, I knew I didn't want to give up, but I knew that it, I needed to tweak things if it was going to work for me on a long-term basis. Yeah, that reminds me of when I was doing one-on-ones back in 2013, and I basically filled my entire summer, like in April and May of 2013, then I had filled any spare moments I had pretty much in May, June, and July. And then I would sometimes be, you know, in Hawaii time, it was a little funky. So sometimes the best thing would be for my 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. for people who were on the other side of the world or whatever. And I do remember feeling like, why am I doing this? Why? Because I don't want to rush through Bryson's bedtime just so that I can go get on a call. That doesn't feel good, you know? So then I eventually stopped doing that. Well, I stopped doing one-on-ones altogether, but it was like, it's exciting and it would always be fun in the moment. But yeah, like you said, when you zoom out, you're like, hang on a second, this isn't going to be sustainable. And I'm the boss here. So I can have a talk with my boss and let her know I need a different arrangement or I just can't do this anymore. So, all right. So let's talk about once you had the course going and then just kind of let's catch up because there's so many big things that have happened, the course and then the book and then the republishing of the book and now your new projects and programs. So how have both of these grown as your family and your kiddos are getting older and then you have the little lady coming into the picture? Yeah. What's all that been like? It's been so busy. It's been really, really great. But I think that last year, my third year in business was, it was really interesting to see how I was able to, I still worked a lot, but in comparison to years one and two, which just felt relentless, I was able to take my foot off the pedal a little bit. So after the Calm Birth School video program launched, I knew that I wanted to write a book because everybody says you should write a book. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided that I would just put the course basically into the book. And I thought I'm going to self-publish. And I think that this is a thing. Lots of people are like, how do you get a book deal? How do you get a book deal? Because interestingly enough, the way that I promoted the book was to give it away for free for the first, I think it was three to five days. And the amount of traction that it got was absolutely crazy. It was just everywhere really, really quickly. And I was fortunate enough to, for the book to fall into the hands of a commissioning editor at Hay House. And she read it and she approached me and asked me if I wanted to have it published by them. And if there was going to be a publishing house that I was working with of any publishing house, it would absolutely have to be Hay House Mm. because it's those books that I've grown up with and that have inspired me and I don't think it was ever in my it wasn't ever on the vision board I need to be a Hay House writer but if I'd have thought about it like that then it would have been Mm -hmm. so but my point is for anybody who is looking to write a book actually one of the best things that you can do is just self-publish it let people know that it's great and then send the book that's already successful that have got people buying it to the publishers and say, look, this is what I've already done without you. And it's so, so common for you to get your book deal in that way. So take action is what I would say. So that happened. And whilst I was writing the book and the Book deal with Hay House coming about. I was, you know, the Calm Birth School business was growing, and people were watching and observing what I was doing and asking me, "How are you doing that? What do you do?" And I love teaching, 
and I love business and I love marketing and obviously I am a mindset mentor. I love the mindset behind creating success. And so as people were asking me what I was doing, I just began training and starting with free stuff and very low cost stuff. And actually what kind of kicked off my business mentoring business was to do a month of free sessions, just 30 minute pitch free, free sessions. And from that, I got my first five paying clients and I started off much more focused on the marketing piece and the strategy piece. And what was really interesting is noticing how some people would just fly and other people would get really stuck. Same strategy, same business type. Some people were getting it and some people weren't. What was the missing piece? And it was the mindset piece. And so as my business has evolved, I am much more focused on really helping people cultivate a mindset for success. And then you layer the strategy piece on top. But I know that you get this so much that it's 20% strategy, but you have to have a vision and really believe that that vision, you're capable of achieving that vision before anything else works in a sustainable, easeful, graceful way. So those two pieces I love, particularly the mindset. Yeah, those are like your divine breadcrumbs. Those are the things that would stand out. And what I love about your story and how you've gone about it is just that I started with free sessions too, because it's like, it's totally okay to do that. It's totally okay to, if you want to, obviously not if you feel like you have to, but in my case, I was like, well, I mean, I know I can help people. I've been teaching this for years to college students, but I don't, I've never taught it to entrepreneurs. So how do I know this is something people will want? And it just helped me build my confidence. I mean, other people could have outside looking in been like, well, yeah, duh, of course people are going to pay for that. People pay for this kind of thing all the time. Mm -hmm. But I had to experience it like literally in my body to be like, oh, and to hear the other person on the line say, this has been so amazing. How can I pay you? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know, but that's invaluable. (laughs) Plus it's just, it feels good. It's service. And you don't have to look at it like if I don't try for these first few sessions, not to say you have to do a ton of free stuff, but like, it's not to say you can never charge. Obviously it's the opposite. Cause those are the people who, once they experience it, just like you said with the book, once they experience your book, then they want more. And they're like, yes, this is valuable, you know? And then you feel it too. Yeah. I mean, I massively understand why people are told don't do free stuff because lots of people undervalue what they're doing and yes. they're giving away free stuff for years and years and years and not making any money. And obviously that's a bad business model. But I think that there is real value for you being able to stretch whatever your niche is, your muscles within that niche. And from a social proof and credibility and authority piece, it's really, really valuable for you to build up that experience when you're just starting out. And some of my best clients, they didn't sign up during that month of free stuff. They took the free stuff, but have come back to me again and again and again and paid great money from having that first initial relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, and definitely I'm glad you mentioned that too about testimonials and feedback. It's valuable Mm -hmm. to get feedback just for your own know-how. But every time I ever did a free session upfront before I even did the session, I'm like, just so you know, I'm going to be asking you, I'm going to send you within two days of our session. I'm going to send you a list of eight questions. I would love your feedback. And I had I don't know, a whole lot, the vast majority of them that actually did. And those were my first testimonials, which then took it right off. So, okay. As you were evolving, so the Converse school came first and then baby business school. And then tell me about like when things started to shift and you were like, okay, but I really like to talk about the mindset and the marketing. (laughs) Um, What's that transition been like for you? Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Busy, it's I felt a nudge that something felt a little bit off in terms of my focus and as much as I am nerdy around the marketing piece like I said I found it frustrating maybe is the word that some people would get it and some people wouldn't get it and i I knew that I was evolving. 
So every month that we're in business, every week, every day, something new is happening and it's adding a layer of experience, a layer of understanding. And I was growing, but I don't think that my message had completely, my message hadn't caught up with me, but I knew that I was being pulled somewhere. And that transitionary period, it felt odd because I didn't quite know where I was going. And I think that one of the biggest things that has developed over the last year and this evolution of my message and how I serve people is trusting that it is okay that we don't know what point Z is going to be. And actually, if I just allow the message to come through, so I've gone from mindset and marketing to mindset and messaging, but if I allow the message to come through me and share where I am with the intention of just being of service, the people that need help in that way and the people that need help with their mindset and the people that need help developing their message, they resonate with it. And so a big part of the evolution and the transition was to just keep putting one step in front of the other, being comfortable with feeling terribly uncomfortable because not everything was 100% clear. Yeah. And you, whatever the saying is, you can't steer a parked car. It's so freaking true. And I know, I mean, I've been doing that as I've been transitioning. I think it's interesting also parallel. This is obviously proof that whenever you're listening to people's stories, you're listening and putting your own self in that in the story. Because I'm like, you started with something so specific yeah. at Converse School. And I started with something so specific when it was like, I can help people with anything with communication. And you're like, hypnotherapy, sure. Okay. Oh, hypnobirthing. And I was like, communication in general. Oh, okay. Writing. We're talking about writing. And yeah. so it's almost like, and it's great. That's exactly what we needed, right? To be able to build the momentum and to learn things and to practice our skills and to build the business in the first place. But then you realize like, okay, that was my training wheels and it's super valuable and still is serving people, but it's not really like your work, you know, your work at least now. And even the work that we're doing now can be different in the next decade, but we will never know that unless we just keep with it and keep walking through it. And it is very easy to be like, well, but if I'm not really clear, then I just shouldn't say anything. And I know that from actual experience and obviously hearing it in your story too, like you're not going to get clear (laughs) unless you put something out there. And as my buddy Sue says, you can't plan being yourself. It just has to come out. Yeah. And it it evolves. And it reminds me of an image I saw on Jeff Goins Instagram yesterday. And either the caption or the image was something like, I write so so I can see what I think. Or something. It's like you don't even know until you're actually expressing it. And then you see people, it's, your words are out there and interacting with people, you know, and then you see the response and then you co create something that's so much cooler and more magical and more meaningful than if we just tried to like keep it in a secret lab. Like, I'm just going to do this thing and then put it out there. Yeah. And people will be like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Share the journey. Yeah. Okay. So how did you do that? Like what has the journey been from when you realized, okay, I want to talk about some other things and you're shifting the business model. And then also just as your business was growing, how were you working this with childcare and stuff? Because if you were doing the weekends and evenings and that wasn't working, what did you shift to make it and create space for you to actually work on your business during the day? Yeah. So basically I put everything online. I stopped doing really any in-person stuff which worked for me for the whole of the second year that worked really well and so I worked around the kids when they were at nursery I you know I was working and then I would mum in between when they got home and then I would work until late which that didn't work for me but it worked for the business in terms of what I felt like the business needed at that point to move forward so I worked really really hard what was interesting about last year is my word of the year was connection and for me that meant in-person connection and so the model changed again and it meant that whoever I was working with one-to-one I either, if I was working with them internationally, it would be online, but anybody who was in the UK, we would have two in-person days. And then I 
brought in retreats because I just wanted to touch people and it was interesting I did a retreat in March of last year it was my first one and I knew that it was going to be special because I wasn't talking about marketing I was talking about the deep stuff and the personal stuff and our personal messaging whether that was in our personal lives or in our professional lives and Doing that retreat probably, well, definitely changed everything for me because I had two days with 14 women and we cried, we laughed, we hugged. People had massive breakthroughs, revelations. It was that permission. It was like, oh, I can really do this. And they are getting so much out of this and this is feeding me this is yeah I'm just exploding with joy right now and I remember doing that retreat and just being on a high for weeks afterwards and I think that that was a massive turning point for me in again giving myself permission to say stuff that was in my heart and yeah every day on Facebook every week in my newsletter just sharing from my heart and I'm just trying to think because at some point it was December 2016 the business is going well Jerome and I I'd had this target if I'm hitting I think maybe it was like 10,000 pounds a month if I'm hitting 10,000 pounds a month if you want to you can leave your job and so I hit that target I think for three months in a row and we made the decision at that point it would be good for him to leave his assistant head's job as a teacher because he was not enjoying it at all. And I was trying to cram my business into 12 hours a week at that point because I mm. just had Luna and that wasn't working. And so he gave up work and became full-time papa last year. And we had 12 months where I was at my desk from nine till four for a year. And it was amazing. It was challenging. Part of it was challenging because of the switch in dynamic yeah. and me being the old breadwinner and him being at home with the kids and the kids being like, daddy, daddy, and not mummy, mummy to start mm-hmm. with. And I was a bit like, oh, what's happened? What am I doing? Yeah. Um, but overall, it was amazing for our family. So that's how we managed it then. And now it's all changing again. Yes. Okay. And I'm so interested just in even this slice of the conversation because with us, with Jeremy leaving the active duty Navy in June of last year, and then he was home, but then we just realized, well, this isn't our favorite. (laughs) This is not our favorite because it's like, for me, what I realized, and I feel like we're going to swing, you know, we're just going to swing. The pendulum's going to swing back and forth a little bit until we find like a really good dynamic that works for us. But for me, I was like, no, I don't want you to be like, don't you have a call at 1230? Like if I'm sitting on the couch at 1225, I really don't want you to ask me about that because I didn't realize how used to like how used to just being on my own I was. And that sounds silly, duh, Captain Obvious. He had been gone like 80% of the last four years and that's when I had built my business. So it was like my whole business filled in that vacuum of my husband being gone on a submarine in the middle of the ocean. So whenever he would come home, I would switch off to the mode of like, oh, Jeremy's home. We're just chilling. Everybody's just hanging out. I mean, if they're hanging out, I don't want to be in the office working, you know, whatever. And so that was an interesting dynamic in 2017. And also just like you said, where it was like, when you're used to being the primary caregiver too, I also Mm -hmm. felt like, what the F then? What am I just supposed to work and bring home the money, but I'm not like needed for anything else? I literally at some point was like, can I just do the laundry? Like, can I just do the laundry? Because I just feel like I need a tangible win today of like something physical that I did for the family, you know? And again, it was like, it went from one extreme to the other. And then we realized like, okay, no, we need it somewhere more in the middle to where I do feel needed. Like I didn't realize I want to feel needed from my children. I don't want Deacon to always wake up and be like, daddy you know (laughs) like call me out I want daddy to get out of bed and go get you but like could you at least just (laughs) give me a shout out you know (laughs) we want it all and we can have it all it's been amazing this year 
since the start of January, Jerome's been at work two days a week. So I've gone back to be doing the school run in the mornings and in the afternoons. It's forced me to work less and finish at 20 to 3, two days a week, which has been amazing. I'm really, really, really good at the mum stuff. Yeah. And it's almost like I had forgotten because he had taken so much of that role, which was important. But yeah, I'm really good at the mum stuff. And even though I'd done it for five years before with the business and before the business, it was almost like that year had made it, it people were like, oh, Jerome's going out. Are you going to cope? I'm like, of course I'm going to cope. <laughs> well, who are you um, talking to? <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice. It is nice to have that balance back and it's not like I haven't been here, but it is different when he is not here. And I really am intentional about the computer being off and being super present and doing all of the chores with the kids is actually, I, I like it. Yeah. And I like them seeing me doing it. It's so interesting because I just feel like this conversation usually leans towards, okay, cool. Then my business blew up and my retirement husband, and then I haven't heard anyone really talking about what that actually looks like. And so I was struggling with the idea that like, well, what if I don't want him to not, or what if he doesn't want to? And I kind of knew like have some ideas ready for him. Cause he's like a really talented guy. Basically everyone who meets him wants to offer him a job and he's still doing the Navy reserves and everything too. But he seriously had had like five job offers just randomly anyone who meets him. Cause I'm like, Jeremy, I don't think you realize how valuable you are to me, like in every way he cooks, he's a great dad, he can build things, super yeah. easy. And so I'm like, I do feel like I'm selfish like to be saying I need you here when I really can't handle it. And I actually didn't realize mm -hmm. how much I appreciated being needed for the handling of things. And so yeah. it's just interesting. And like, I, like we were saying before we started recording, it's just good. It's a blessing and a privilege, obviously, to be able to create that position where you can examine the options. Yes. And then decide what works for you. Because I think it's amazing for people where it does work to be like the sole provider and full-time dad. I mean, I'm like all in if it's really working, but it also is okay if it's not. And if you guys just have to decide to try something different and even if it's not for money, but it's just for like, I need you to go out into the world so that we have something to talk about at the end of the day, <laughs> like yeah. you need your man time. And I have my time to create and do videos with the doors open and that kind of thing. Like it's just little things I didn't think of and it's a very valuable conversation. So I appreciate you sharing the lessons that y'all have learned from your side of it. And yeah. we were talking about the retreats. I'm just curious and nosy because I feel like I would love more in-person connection, especially now that I'm back in the mainland US. So what are some just takeaways and things that you love about it? Because I also feel like people feel like, okay, I'm supposed to start an online business and never talk to anyone in real life again. Oh. And it's like, wait, it's cool it's, if you love to be in person, you know? Yeah, I, in-person experiences, I just think are amazing. And I think if you look at the way that we're living life and everybody always talks about the fact that we're more connected than ever, but everybody feels more disconnected than ever. It is, and for me, I work primarily with women to get five, 10, 12 women in a space together and say, this is your sacred space. And this is where you can really look people in the eyes. And one of the most simple exercises you can do with a group of women is to get them to look at each other in the eyes and how many people can, first of all, people will laugh. And then how many people break down in tears because they don't feel seen. Mm. Whether they are in business or not in business to actually be seen is such a powerful thing for them to experience, to feel like they're being seen and really feel themselves. Sit with the discomfort of somebody really looking at you and admiring you, not what you do, not what your title is, not what your job is, but look and really appreciate you. It's amazing. Chills. So, yeah. Yeah. So to be able to facilitate experiences where people get closer to their, to living on purpose, get closer to finding their 
divine message and when you're in it's funny so when we went to I went to Gozo in September and I had six women and people were like it's like we've been at university together we had four days and it was like they'd spent three years Mm. (laughs) it was just because of the interestingly I like to create a lot of space so some people go on retreats and it's like you get up at seven and you finish at 10 and it's packed all of the time and I think that part of the value that I offer is really giving a lot of the women that I work with are mothers, giving people space to think and process and integrate. So it's a real mix of giving people questions for them to think about, providing the space for them to share and giving people permission to shed, to let go, whether it's stories, emotions, things that they don't want anymore. So much of stepping into the greatest vision that you have for yourself is one, claiming it, acknowledging what it is that you want, and then two, letting go of all of the stuff that you don't want to hold on to. And I think that the beauty of the retreat setting is that when you see one person doing it, that energy transmutes to everybody around and it just it makes it easier for you to experience these profound transformations. And I think that one of the most beautiful things about the retreats that I've hosted so far is that it's not a four day holiday where you might go to a seminar and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you come back and it's back to real life. Mm-hmm. It's real deep transformational experiences that continue to unfold once you're back at home. So you're changing on a cellular level and you can't go back. And it's beautiful. It's really amazing. And so that is going to be certainly a bigger part of what I do. I've got another retreat coming up in May and I'll do another one in September. And it will be a bigger part of my business model moving forward. I know for sure. I love, love being able to touch people and look at them and see them and see them in their brightest light. And people love experiencing that too. So more of that. Yes. I love that you shared that because it's like, I telepathically asked you the question, like, do you feel pressured to, and I know you don't because then you wouldn't have had these transformative experiences, but I do feel like a block a lot of people have if they're hosting an in-person event. It's like, if everybody's coming, then I need to have all of this planned and to be able to make it valuable and whatever. And it's like, I hosted a super small retreat here in my hometown, actually at my parents' house (laughs) in August. And it was like, Part of me, I kept having to shush the part of me that was like, Nikki, you need to do something that gives like real tangible value that they need their notebooks out or whatever. And I'm like, no, all I want to do is have conversations, ask questions, have space for journaling time, no alarm clocks required. Mm. They can do some work if they need to do work so they don't feel stressed about being disconnected. But like then we're tying it back and doing fun experiences and just enjoying each other's company. And that's so valuable because it's just not something we do. And it's really struck me when you said that, like just making eye contact because people don't feel seen. Mm. It's so powerful. And I think especially so true for those of us who, one, work from home. Yeah. And two, are raising little ones or you're primarily home with them, or even if you're not, but if you're, if most of the people that you interact with face-to-face, you know, are your own children (laughs) in a given day, of course they see you and they love you and you're perfect to them. But at the same time, it's like, no, but I really want someone to see that I'm here, you know? Yeah. Your name isn't mom, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of your roles, but it's not your name. Right. This is so good. I love you, Susie. I love that you're doing this. And I totally am excited to do more of this and to hold that space too. So thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. One other thing I want to talk about before we go is speaking of shedding, and this is something that we were just talking about before we started recording too. As you're shifting and as you're stepping into, it's called Limitless Life, is your new program? The Limitless Life Experience. Okay. The Limitless Life Experience. So as you're stepping into that, you mentioned that previous, the baby, I always want to say business baby school, (laughs) baby business school. Um, It's going to be going through its, you know, final round and everything. So tell me about that process and how you came to being cool with like, yep, that chapter was a beautiful chapter. I love that chapter for what it is. And now I'm ready to close that and move on. This has been something, as you know, that I have been playing around with, um, mulling over for at least a year. 
And I think that when something works and something is good and you put a lot of time and effort into it and people get results, it's really easy to hold on to it, even if it's not the thing that allows you to be most on purpose and to be allows you to be most intentional. And I think that I have had a real, you know, you have this, oh, you should have this passive income product and you should have this and you should have that and you should do it this way. And it was just like, I don't want to let this go. This could be so great if I just did this and I just, it was easy at the beginning. It was part of what I needed to do. It was part of the journey in the beginning. But now I know that my purpose and the way that I serve my clients is not to just be focusing on marketing tactics. That's not where it's at for me. There's a place for it. Yep. But I believe that the place for it really comes after you've done the inner work and the place for it up until you're earning 10 grand a month. If you're not earning 10 grand a month, there is so much work that you can do on learning how to communicate from your heart so that you can enroll your clients, that the mindset and the messaging, that's what it needs to be about. And I think that I've just closed the cart on a great launch. And I think that, again, it's that permission piece. I needed permission. And you don't need permission, ladies. <laughs> if we just need the reminder to give our, right, that it's there, that we've got yeah. it. Yeah. I just, I, I've finally given myself permission to say that this, I'm not going to put my energy behind selling this because this is not the way that I am supposed to be serving people at my highest level. So that content will be available in a different form. You won't be able to buy it, but it will be available for my Converse school instructors. And I'm sure it will evolve in some other way, but I won't be leading with it. And do you know what? It feels amazing to own that. And I think that as I've been transitioning through various different things over the last year, the letting go, my, my coach said to me, Suze, it's not about what more you can do. It's about what you need to let go of. And I've really taken that to heart that I can't, I worked really, really hard for two whole years doing all of the things. And it was great because it's given me a good foundation, but it wasn't sustainable. And as I up level again, I want my impact to be more and I want to spend more time being present with my family. I know that it's about doing less, doing less of the stuff that isn't a hell yes, as cliche as that may sound, but that is what it is about for me. So yeah, it feels good. It can feel scary when something is working and it feels logical to keep going with it. But if your heart is really not singing, I can absolutely assure you that the amount of time and energy you spend trying to make it work and trying to be the thing, you're blocking a million other on purpose ideas. So amen. Yeah. I'm going to hang on. I have to mute for a second because my um, vacuum shark robot <laughs> just turned on and he's really noisy. I'll be right back. Hang on. Okay. I don't have a real pet, but I do find myself sometimes, especially if Sharky, as we call him, it's the shark vacuum robot. If Sharky comes into my office and then like tangles up in a cord, like an electrical cord, and I find myself being like, ah, or snapping <laughs> like as if, as if he's going to stop. Okay. So hail yes to everything that you just said. And I know I'm going to be listening back to this podcast just so I can really soak it in. Cause that's the exact freaking thing that I've been just understanding, you know, more and more. And also not that like the other thing is you have again, permission, you have permission to change your mind and nothing has to be final. And you could be like, yeah, not to say you specifically, but in general for you listening, yeah. like you could decide, okay, I don't want to do this one thing anymore right now. And I reserve the right to change my mind and bring it back if and however I want to in the future. And it doesn't have to be permanent. And the whole point is YOLO, this is life happening and we get yeah. to do what we feel excited by. And I think it's so cool to hear you when you're talking about your retreat and you're like, oh my gosh, this is feeding me. I mean, what a beautiful, that's exactly in utopian world, you know, that's exactly what we could all be doing if we would just be brave and 
willing to experiment our way there, which is what I love about your story. So as we wrap up, we could talk for hours. We have talked for hours and we will talk for hours more (laughs) in our lives. But for this particular conversation, is there anything we haven't covered, any nugget that you want to share and make sure gets into the earbuds of our entrepreneurial mom, but not even all moms, but just whoever's listening? I think that this is something that is said a lot, but I'm not going to apologize for saying it again because I think that it's important and I think that we just all need to be consistently reminded that we are already enough and everything that we want is out there. And most of the time we just have to realign our, our gaze, Mm. whether that is on ourselves or in a different direction. It's just about realigning, but you're already enough. So yeah enjoy that. I just want to thank you for being who you are. And I'm so grateful for being able to be a dreamy of yours through the Converse School and then you being a total dreamy and a godsend of a gift last year to me whenever you were like, wait, what are you talking about with this one-on-one? It's just like, it's been so fun to watch you in this transition time, just like having a seat over here to be like, look at this. Ah, she's doing her treat. Oh, look, there goes the book. You know, like it's just so cool. And I'm so grateful to be on this path with you. And I'm really glad we got to record this conversation so that we can share it with everyone listening. Thank you for having me so much. I have so much love and admiration for you, my lovely lady. Likewise. All right. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. I always love catching up with Susie. She's amazing. But I want you to consider a couple of things just as key takeaways from this conversation. Number one, I want you to be honest with yourself in terms of, are you craving more real in-person offline connection through your business or your life in general, but specifically through your business? And if so, what are you going to do about it? Whether that's hosting live events or going to other people's live events, even just finding one like-minded local buddy that you can meet up with just to have some face-to-face interaction as part of your business, make a commitment to just take a little baby step. Just maybe Google, you know, local entrepreneurial groups. That way you can start because I feel like we just get swallowed by the internet. I've said this before, but don't underestimate the value of offline connection. And then the second thing and being brave and realizing that if you feel like you've kind of grown out of a part of your business, Just being honest about that. Maybe do a little journaling or doodling on that. Go back to the journaling episode or just pull out a piece of paper and be like, is there a part of my business that I'm ready to release and to close and let go of or just find a different way, a different approach because it's all an evolution and your business, your mind, your message is going to grow and evolve and change as you do. So it's important to just be honest about that. So thank you, Susie, for sharing everything that you shared. Again, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, leave us a review over on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. All right, that's it for me. Catch you next time. This show may be over, but the conversation is just beginning. Head on over to naptimeempires.com slash Facebook so you can join my free... Wait, did I say free? I'm in priceless, rapidly growing community of Naptime Empire Builders for deeper discussions, behind the scenes scoop, and of course, updates whenever I've got new stuff coming up for you. NaptimeEmpires.com slash Facebook. See you there. See you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 